Think on your feet for our Fast and Curious 5K, a -a one-of-a-kind race hosted by WBEZ and the Chicago Sun-Times on Saturday, July 27th at Humboldt Park. More info and early bird registration at wbez.org slash events. When were the... What schools... Who decides what the next... Where's that story? Why they keep the loop? What is this? It's Curious City. Where WBEZ answers your questions about Chicago, the region, and its people. I'm Odette Youssef, and today I'm taking on a question about race and concentrated poverty in Chicago. Our questioner is Martha Victoria Diaz. She's a Latina and a lawyer from Chicago's Lakeview neighborhood. She says she's seen that area change a lot since she was a kid in the 70s and 80s. It was pretty diverse at the time. I mean, there were a lot of Latinos that lived there. There was a good chunk of white people, no African-Americans, but nevertheless, it was still fairly integrated. And I know it was all working class. But since then, I really couldn't tell you for the life of me where they've all gone. And specifically, she wondered where had all the poor white people gone. Martha knows where Chicago's poor Latino and African-American neighborhoods are. But where are the poor white neighborhoods? She was especially puzzled because she knows that nationally, whites are the biggest group to use food stamps and Medicaid. We liked her question so much, we invited her to our studios at WBEZ to get to the bottom of it. And I showed her a map based on the latest estimates from the Census Bureau. So the map that you're looking at shows different colored blocks, and anyone who's listening to this on the radio can view it by visiting wbez.org. But you'll see that we've got one color that represents areas of concentrated poverty for African Americans, another for concentrated poverty of Latinos, and a third color for concentrated poverty of whites. Just looking at the map, what are your impressions? Wow. Well, I'm not surprised at all with where uh, we're on the map, the Latino and the African-American areas of poverty are concentrated. What I am surprised to see is that really far north in the city, there seem to be two sort of isolated pockets where it looks like there are populations of poor, predominantly white people living in the city. Yeah, we took a closer look and it turns out that they are immediately adjoining the Loyola University campus. So poor college students. Yeah, they could just be poor college students. We we did this just to sort of double check on your question that there are no areas of concentrated white poverty. And I think for all intents and purposes, we've verified that was a correct premise. But that didn't explain why there isn't concentrated white poverty in Chicago and why there is concentrated poverty among African-Americans and Latinos. So I invited three experts to join me and Martha in studio. The first was Janet Smith. That's a great question. I've had that asked of me a couple times recently. Smith is assistant professor of urban planning at the University of Illinois, Chicago. She says, for one thing, the number of poor whites in Chicago has been shrinking since the 1970s, probably because they've been moving to the suburbs. Well, if I look back, you know, 40 years ago, I might have turned to a few communities that I can think of where you had more working poor people. But generally, I don't know if we ever really had concentrated white poverty in the city of Chicago. And part of that is because whites, as opposed to blacks and Latinos, have been able to live just about anywhere. And so part of it is a more of a diffusion of poverty among white folks compared to blacks and Latinos. Is there much actual just generational white poverty as I think we were thinking of in the question. Mm -hmm. Do we see that much in Chicago? 
Not so much in Chicago. I think in the United States, you do see it, um, and you find it probably more in, in rural areas. So I think that's also what you're going to find when you look at across the nation, and that's why they're not in the city of Chicago. Next, Martha Diaz and I spoke with Mary Patillo. She's the Harold Washington Professor of Sociology and African American Studies at Northwestern University. Hi, Mary. So who are you? Who asks <laughs> these questions? <laughs> I, I grew up in a, a neighborhood that gentrified right around us. So okay. to me, it's just something that, um, that has always been on my mind. So the answer to the question of why there isn't concentrated white poverty in Chicago and many other cities, Chicago is not alone in this, um, rests on two big points. One is racial residential segregation, and the other is the different poverty rates in the various race ethnic groups. So when you combine those two together, you get concentrated black and Latino poverty and pretty much no concentrated white poverty. Do any of these factors still play Mm -hmm. out today or have new ones crept in? Mm -hmm. The research today still finds housing discrimination. Sometimes it's the blatant discrimination. A black person calls and the uh, realtor says that apartment's been rented. So black folks have to work extra hard to see the same number of units as, as whites. But there is something to preferences and knowledge. What neighborhoods do people know about? Uh, And how do you know about neighborhoods? You know about the neighborhoods where your friends live. And if our friendship patterns are racially segregated, then we know about the neighborhoods where other black people live if we're black or the neighborhoods where other Latinos live if if we're Latino. So there's knowledge and there's preferences and comfort. I think that's really interesting. And you laying out the history of it does lend a lot to the people who are really just uninformed about housing patterns in the mm-hmm. city of Chicago and that we're partially to blame for why housing patterns exist in our city the way that we do and that it is our problem, mm-hmm. even if you don't live in those areas. Are we seeing higher income blacks mix up the incomes in some of these high poverty neighborhoods? If the black poverty rate is 30 percent, that means all black neighborhoods should have a 30% poverty rate if everybody is um, kind of shuffled around, evenly distributed. But that's not the case. You have class segregation within race. Class segregation among blacks is higher than among both whites and Latinos. So when you measure the evenness of the classes within the predominantly black, Latino, or, or white neighborhoods, you find that there is greater pull away between poor blacks and upper-income blacks than there is between poor whites and upper-income whites and poor Latinos and upper-income Latinos. Can we account for the psychology Mm -hmm. in any way behind that high level of class segregation among blacks? It is both that many populations don't want to live around poor people. It's a reflection on them, they think, (laughs) and because what goes along with neighborhoods that have high poverty rates are things like fewer services, schools that are less well-invested. I think for many reasons, people see high-poverty neighborhoods as lacking in the kind of resources and amenities that they want for themselves and for their kids. Finally, questioner Martha Diaz and I talked to Sylvia Puente. Hi, Hi, nice to meet you, Martha. I think we met before once many moons ago. Sylvia is the executive director of the Latino Policy Forum. It's a little bit of a misnomer to say that there are as many concentrated areas of Latino poverty in the city as there are African-American poverty in the city. Looking at even some of the analysis that you guys did, you can clearly see that in the city of Chicago, there are fewer neighborhoods of concentrated Latino poverty than there are African-American poverty. But there is 
some concentrated Latino poverty. Yes. So to the extent that we do see it, what accounts for it? So Latino poverty, to a large extent, you're really going to see families. You're going to be you're going to see two parent households, a married mom and dad with kids, but they're only able to earn a wage, which doesn't take them past the poverty level. A significant number of Latinos are low-wage workers for a variety of reasons. And then people choose to live where they have friends and family, where they can go to church and masses in the language that they're most comfortable in. And, you know, they can go grocery shopping and know people from their home communities. It's always, I think, an interesting question to say, are these ethnic enclaves or are they ghettos? Where ethnic enclaves are, people are choosing to live in these communities with people who are like them because it's home, it's familiar. There's a certain comfort in that. So our questioner, Martha Diaz, is onto something. There isn't concentrated white poverty in Chicago. One big reason is that there just aren't as many poor whites as there are poor blacks and Latinos. Another is that it's always been, and continues to be, much easier for white people to move just about anywhere they want than it is for minorities. And there isn't the same pull to locate in ethnically familiar neighborhoods as we see among Latinos, especially the recent immigrants. But all this left us with a bigger kind of philosophical question. What does it mean that when we talk about concentrated poverty in Chicago, we're really only talking about communities of color? First, Sylvia Puente. One of the concerns that I have around it is that we have two Chicagos, right? We have a thriving white middle-class Chicago who largely lives along the lakefront and on the northwest side of the city. And Chicago is big enough that you don't have to go into a south side neighborhood ever in your whole life. And I'm certainly of the belief that to have compassion, to really address all the social challenges that we have in, in our state, you've got to get out of your comfort zone and understand how people live. In fact, Mary Patillo had a story about that. I was just in an Uber. Uh, the driver was a white woman, and she was telling me that Uber surveys them now and again about their best experiences driving and their worst experiences driving. And her answer was, driving an Uber has shown her that some of the nicest, sweetest, best people live in really tough neighborhoods. And some of the rudest, meanest, ugliest people live <laughs> in <neighbors>. the <laughs> richest, best neighborhoods. And while it seems duh to many of us, it's only because she now is having to go into neighborhoods and meet people she otherwise never would have met to have that insight. So, Martha, as a Latina who is college-educated. What out of all of this discussion has really resonated with you? Well, I suppose how much of the outcome of your life depends on circumstances that are really beyond your control. Mm -hmm. My parents bought the three flat that we have in Lakeview not because they were speculating, not because they thought that Lakeview was going to be the next big thing, but because it was cheaper than the house near the Brickyard Mall that they had originally been scoping out. And as a result of that, they put themselves and our family in the middle of a community that it was about to gentrify. And as a result of that, my brothers and I had access to better schools probably than our peers did in other parts of the city. And it was serendipitous and wonderful in our the example of our family because it made everything for us possible. It made my life possible. But that's obviously not the case for a lot of people in the city. Reporting this week came from me, Odette Youssef. 
Special thanks to Martha Diaz for clearing her schedule for four billable hours to join me in studio. Curious City was founded by Jennifer Brandel, WBEZ, AIR, and the Corporation for Public Broadcasting. Support comes from the Doris and Howard Conant Fund for Journalism. Curious City on WBEZ is supported by Audible.com, which has more than 180,000 audiobooks and spoken word audio products. Audible is offering Curious City listeners a free audiobook of your choice and a free 30-day trial membership. Just go to audiblepodcast.com slash Curious City and download a title and start listening on your iPhone, iPad, Kindle, Android device, Windows phone, or over 500 different MP3 devices. Audible suggests Curious City listeners may enjoy books about Chicago like There Are No Children Here or County, Life, Death, and Politics at Chicago's Public Hospital. That's at audiblepodcast.com slash Curious City. Next time on Curious City... Three, two, one. During the Cold War, Chicagoans built fallout shelters to protect themselves from nuclear attack. But are there any left? We go underground to find out. Could you imagine spending two weeks down here? It would get really dark and really cramped. If there were hundreds of people down here, it would be terrible. (laughs) That's next time on WBEZ's Curious City. Thanks for listening to the news live on WBEZ and NPR. The WBEZ stream sounds great in the kitchen on your smart speaker and anywhere on the WBEZ app. Listen every day. Hi, it's Terry Gross, the host of Fresh Air. We bring you in-depth, long-form interviews with actors, directors, musicians, authors, journalists, and more. Listen to our Peabody Award-winning Fresh Air podcast from WHYY and NPR.